We're good. Oh, oh, we're recording. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So, now that we're recording, I'm here with my man, Steve Boyle. How's it going? A boy ill. And we're going to talk more about his uh, music and stuff like that um, later on in the podcast. But let's start off with the big news of the day because this has impacted both of us, <laughs> impacted a, a lot of people. Um, it's impacted everybody kind of in, in this industry right now. Um, Nipsey Hussle. Crazy. I, I, I'm, I, I woke up this morning and, and I recorded something just because I was at a loss for words. And now I, 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 we're working on this because I, I'm still st- like struck, st- stunned. I'm still stunned by by what happened. Um, that that this sort of behavior can still continue in this in this day and age. So I, I kind of want to know what your take is on this. And I mean, obviously, just in the words, I guess, of KRS One. Um, if you want to get away with murder, shoot a rapper. Uh, messed up, but that seems to be the continued theme of the hip hop, you know, world. That you know somebody com- becomes affluent and then gunned down, and um, now we have a name. LAPD gave us a name. They can't find I, the guy. Yeah, and um, they can't find the guy. I'm not sure. Um, I, just, I, I think, think they're still looking. They've known the name. Everybody's known the name, but I, I just heard you were just talking about how the LAPD made an announcement before. Yeah. About how they just started their thing. But yeah, yeah, and um, so I believe his name was Eric Holder, which is rather um, strange considering the fact that it happens to be also the name of a very prominent politician. It's just you know coincidental sort of thing. Um, but um, yeah, this guy apparently was a uh, snitch and uh, went and uh, talked to Nipsey before all this sort of happened. And Nipsey didn't want anything to do with him and, sh- sh- you know, sh- shoot him away from the store or whatever. And he came back with a gun. So, I mean, apparently this is what, according to, you know, <coughs> different reports are something happening. along those lines. Yeah. Again, we're learning details as they come in still. It's still fresh. It's still new. Um, it happened in broad daylight, and, and this is something that, I mean... Los Angeles, man. So so you could talk to us a little bit more on that, because you, you actually come from... I come from California. Not Southern California. I'm not from Los Angeles. Um, but I mean... More you, Northern California. You've definitely been there. I've seen it. I was young when I... When I lived in California, but I definitely know the vibe. Um, a lot of gangs, you know, a lot of things that you can't do there that you can do in New York, Long Island, without getting in trouble for. It sounds ridiculous to some people, but colors are a thing. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, you know, red, blue, the wrong purple hat, green, jersey, whatever. shirt, and it doesn't matter really what race you are you know i mean obviously if you're trying to look the part you're going to get tested at the end of the day right if you're going to put on that image then you're going to get tested and i'm not saying that nipsey put on that image i'm just talking about in general i mean violence in los angeles and california his actual background you know he actually oh yeah he was he was in gangs and uh 
You know, he lived that life. Known Crip affiliate, but that's, again... But, and it's funny because you could say that, but the first thing that anybody that I've heard talk about him so far said was uh, not his gang affiliation, but how much he has done for the community. Yeah, no, it's pretty terrible that I, I said that first. Um, no, it's fine. I'm just, I just, usually that is the template. You're right on the fact that I shouldn't bring that up or put that in any light because the fact of the matter is Nipsey Hussle did uh, so much for his community. But that is usually the template is like, and it's, it, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's we, been around for so long that people don't even think about it when they do it sometimes that sometimes the, uh, the positive gets overshadowed by overshadowed by the negative. So the first thing you mention is that he is a gang member, but then you'll go into the good stuff that he did. And it's, it's interesting. It's not it's not a it's not a fault of you though. A lot of people have done that. Media does that all the time on purpose. So yeah, and you know what you, you know what, you know what it is. It's it's also a way of thinking too. You know, I, I my way of thinking is just um, you know get to the reason why people would be feel it was most controversial first. And then it go back and explain why it shouldn't be. Because, yeah, well, in the case of Nipsey... Um, because it shouldn't be controversial that he was in a gang because he reformed himself. He had come out of jail. He had reformed. You know, these, these, that is what people... He's an active member in his community, from that, all accounts. Yeah, so that is, that is actually what you want to have happen. And Los Angeles has is, is matured a lot. And the gang culture has matured a lot. And uh, and we haven't seen that much gang violence, at least on this coast, or, or heard of it on this coast, or, or, or even heard of things on that coast over here, um, you know, happening that have been too bad. Again, Nipsey, you know, and, and also YG, you know, did that song together, you know, very prominently wore red and blue. Um, show unified gang colors. This is something that happened last time it happened was Tupac. And look what happened with Tupac. So it's like, you know, something about an affluent black man coming up in a community and saying something outspoken or, or, or against the way that people want to hear things or against the way that people are, are used to that 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 rattles people or, or 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 affects them and it should be you know he had such a positive impact one jealous person goes and ruins it i i mean i i to me that that it's just it's not fair but it's a story we've seen played out over and over again yeah i mean last year you had an ex got shot leaving him what was it a motorsports dealership something like that and and that's the other thing too you know it, it's not a planned i don't like it when people say like this was like a government conspiracy or a planned hit i mean there's coincidences there's a lot of coincidences and everybody's gonna draw their own crazy conclusion and conspiracy and it'll always be there tupac's still alive living in cuba you know everybody's got one <laughs> Everybody's got one. So I mean, you know, that, that, I, it's funny because I, I I keep seeing pictures of Tupac in Morocco and and uh, yeah, and Malaysia, very and, similar to Tupac maybe in in Morocco and Malaysia simultaneously. And and you know, I I mean, you know, listen, I, I don't think that 
Tupac is still alive, but I think that I think that his music, his legacy still lives. The work that he put forward still lives. Positivity, uh, moving forward, trying to get out of the hood, trying to change the hood, trying to make, improve their neighborhood. Doing the right thing. Basically. It's not a message that everybody spreads. It's a, it's a rare message, especially today. When we have these Takashi Six Nines and and all these other like you know Bobby Shmurdas and all these other people that are just walking around going you know gang gang and all these other things you know blue faces and all this other stuff why why is it that everybody else is out there being a clown but the one person who's real got to be a target yeah and 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 again this is this is why I'm saying you know. I, I can see why people are trying to like are scared, wanting to beef up their own security personnel or something like that after this. Um, well, I think it might just erupt. I mean, it wasn't just uh, Crips that liked Nipsey; it, the whole the whole community liked Nipsey. I think I think a good portion of the country liked Nipsey. Again, his his album was nominated for a Grammy, not for no reason. Victory Lap was superb. I I mean, again, I can't say enough nice things about it but it had such a, a positive outlook and and it had such <laughs> not just a positive outlook but you listen to it and you feel when you when you listen to like loaded bases or something from that you draw like an inspiration or a feeling from it and it's like it's raw and emotional and it's like having lost something like that so quickly it does definitely bring about memories and triggers people very quickly because it, it's it's something we've seen happen before. We've seen it happen with Biggie. We've seen it happen with Tupac. We've seen it happen with Chinks Drugs. We've seen it happen with Stack Bundles. We've seen it happen with we've seen it happen with people all over the country. Rappers all over the country. KRS One, like I said at the very beginning of this podcast was not joking when he said if you want to get away with murder shoot a rapper this is this is a, an epidemic now almost i don't want to say it's an epidemic but i'm saying that how come every time somebody makes it out makes it you know the second that they make it as as a, a mainstream artist that they got to get gunned down well, i mean like boosie said most rappers die in their own city that's it's just the way it is. It's rough because you you blow up where you are, and I mean, given you'll have the house outside of your city, but you know, Nipsey Hussle got gunned down in a strip mall that he owned <laughs> outright. <That's ridiculous. laughs> he owned it. He owned everything in that strip mall. Really? Yeah. He owned, I, I knew. I knew he, he owned, owned the whole the complex. Shop, but he owned I the did, whole complex. Wow. As far as as far as I know, he owned the whole complex. And he had like the different stores in it, like the clothing store is the big one for him. But like, I th I'm pretty sure everything in there was like he had bought it to rebuild the community. So there's, you know, it it sucks that that we have to talk about him in the past tense because like, honestly, it was it was <clears throat> just the other day that I was listening to Victory Lap, you know. And like now, now I have to think of it like in the past, almost like like this album. 
was was made by somebody who's no longer with us and that's kind of hard for me to still process because it's still it's still an album that's like catching on with people i feel like i feel like a good portion of the country now is going to turn it tune into to nipsey hustle's music because of this in light of this yeah which, which, uh, it'll definitely spike for sure i'm pretty sure it already has spiked it's got to it has yeah. to have and, mean, and he owns all his royalties yeah, it he owns good. all his music. Yeah, no, that's Sorry. that's good. So, I worded that wrong. And, and I want to, you know, again, just express, you know, how uh, my deepest condolences to his family and friends, um, and everybody at at, at the um, All In, and and the marathon, and everybody at the marathon agency, and all that stuff. You know, I, I, I everybody around him was in, affected by him positively. Everybody he touched had a positive effect, had a positive impact. He had a positive impact on them. And um, it's, you know, it's a shame because, you know, so rare where a rapper preaches about reform and, 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 and being, you know, not only r- rapping about what happens on the streets, but also talking about, you know, needing to, to change and, 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 be, you know a, a better human being and give back to the community and, and talk about health and, and wealth and all these other things and you know it's something that it's so rare to see and then the second it, it's seen it's gone so it's like how many times are we going to keep you know doing this and, and I mean uh, you know is anybody safe can people feel safe? I think people can feel safe, but, you know, again, enemies in this business are a dime a dozen, too. I don't know why. I don't know why people can't enjoy the company of other people. They need to be jealous or hateful or spiteful or want what they have, envious. Um I don't know why we can't just appreciate people while we have them. Kind of that kind of sucks. Yeah, sometimes you push a T went onto Twitter, and I'm gonna pull it out right now. Hold up for a second, because I'm totally gonna read this out loud. I want to read this out loud because I I think he's I I think I know where he's coming from, but I think he had the wrong approach to it. And I think he came from a place that was just a little ridiculous. He said, we have done Nipsey Hussle wrong. He was sharing his pure self, his vision, and his traits from his heritage with all of us. Empowerment and a sense of community. Something that many of us don't have. Up until this point, Push had me. I was like right at my heartstrings. Then he said, white supremacy at his finest couldn't have done something this terrible. Man... Are you serious? I mean, you have to really be like on some next level, like crack shit. Like, like, really? Did you forget about like all the history? I mean, I'm not even going to go into all of that, but I, I think that. I mean, I kind of want to know what you think because, like, I think push push is talking out his ass. I don't know. Um, it's subjective. As hell. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Definitely. There's so many different ways that you could tie it into what's going on, um, and there's so many different ways that 
it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Historically, it doesn't make sense, obviously. obviously. Um, the volume of slavery and white supremacy in America is... The history of it is crazy. <laughs> and I mean, it's still there, apparently, as we can see with all the... Yeah, well, it's still got a solid presence. I mean, you got Make America Great Again, which is basically just a hoorah for white supremacy, in a sense. And again, we have the president in power who's very much accepting and, and you know, willing to see both sides as, you know, both sides are okay. You know, both sides have fine people or whatever he said, you know. This is a bullshit artist. Get the fuck out of here. Um... Seriously, though. Um, so, last thing to to kind of wind this down on a on a kind of laughable note, Steve Steve Boy Ill right here, my man. Um, by the way, <clears throat> before before we do break that down, I kind of want to um, kind of want to talk to you a little bit more about your music and and where people can find that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I got a SoundCloud, obviously. Just search Boy Space Ill. Uh, it should pop up. Instagram, give a give out your Instagram, Instagram is uh underscore boy ill underscore. That's usually I think that's my uh, social media across everything. It should be. Sick. There's not many boy ills. There's a few. There's a few. But I'm the only person that's got the New York tag with them. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I mean, tell me a little bit more about how you got into like making, like producing, DJing, all that stuff. Like, how how did you really fall into music? Um, well, production and DJing came about when I started going to music festivals and I got into the whole electronic dance music scene and iPhones, everybody had one. There were DJ apps for it and everything, and I would just bullshit around and make some music and a couple of people tell you you're good at something, you kind of pursue it a little bit. So it grew from there. It's awesome. And I used to have a friend, Chris, or I still have a friend, Chris, um, who... Back in the day when we were in high school, he would run a small production company and he'd go to bars out in Rockville Center and Huntington and all these places and he'd talk with the owners and get us a, a night there where we'd basically throw, throw a show, um, produce a lineup. And he was looking for DJs for the first one. I sent him a mix that I literally had made on an iPod Touch <coughs> with a freaking 99-cent app. Uh and he liked it, so he gave me a shot. And then when I went to go play the show, it was completely different equipment than what I was used to, obviously, on my iPod. It was an actual DJ setup. But you grow with it. I got into that, and then from there, I got into the laptop DJing. And then uh, my friend Pat came over, and he used to bring over a turntable. Started with one turntable, and uh, Creator Records. And before I knew it, we would have the tractor s4 with the digital tracks and then we had the one turntable off to the side with the the third channel playing only wax and then he brought over the second turntable and we didn't even have a table to set it up on we'd have one turntable on one side of the room another one sitting on a dinner tv table tray whatever on the other side of the room and running back and forth between them mixing them together <laughs> just going crazy it's wild man and that's how i learned how to blend and uh yeah, it's uh it's been a rabbit hole ever since then. <laughs> Especially with the uh the records. I've been collecting records for about two to three years and so I could I was gonna I was gonna toss that one in. You have like more records 
than <laughs> anybody else that I know. And, 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 and it's funny because I know some people who like literally live for vinyl, like who have, who have, who go to like, you know, who go to these like clearances and like, you know, whenever there's like a liquidator or something like that, they'll like buy everything. But you seem to have like a really solid collection, man. I'm sorry, like for throwing I appreciate that it. out there. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. It's uh I mean it's solid in terms of what I have, uh condition wise. A lot of it is singles. A lot of it is uh DJ singles that uh I guess old old New York radio stations and things like that had no use for after digital became a thing. So they got rid of them and uh you know, you go to a place, go to Long Island record shops, you know, thrift stores, you'll find some stuff. But you go out into the city, that's where you'll find some real stuff. And, uh, the Thing out in Brooklyn, it's a little thrift store on Manhattan Avenue. I have been there. Yeah. I have been there. Walk in, it just looks like a thrift store. It, Walk to the back and... And it is buried in wax. It is Records for days. ninety nine. <laughs> Every record's two bucks. There's a lot of scratch stuff though, too. Oh yeah, you you, you go in there with the gas mask on. <laughs> oh oh yeah, you know, like, and uh, nobody warned me about that either. Uh, <laughs> that I would need like literal like. There's dust. You need mold. you need you need like not just gloves. You need a mask. You need maybe even like some shoes, like if, some like like. If you care about yourself, you'll do it. You know, um, every time I've gone there, I haven't done it. I guess it's just the. Uh, I just dig. I just went and I'll I'll go and wash up in the bathroom afterwards or something, at yeah. like Subway or some shit, you know. I think the longest I've spent in there is about seven hours. Wow. Yeah. I no, I, I I only went in for like you know two three hours, but that was it. I was like I was no. I'm done. No, the good stuff is where you get in there for about five or six hours. That's where you start finding the good stuff. I mean, I I found <laughs> some I found some amazing I found some. Some really so the thing that's where I found uh, I found that Ronnie size single. Okay. Um, I found a few. Um, I actually found a Jet single. Um, there's a few. There's a few good I things I found at the thing. I would go in there searching for predominantly hip hop. That's all I would really shoot for. Yeah. I, I figured I mean, if I wanted the uh, other stuff, I can go find it someplace else. But I was there for the dollar or the two dollar two dollar singles. Or yeah. whatever I could find. I found some LPs in there before, but it was mostly singles. And I would buy in bulk, baby. 45, 50 at a time. <laughs> walk up to the front, just drop them like a brick. Well, not really, but, you know, I got a glass counter. That would kind of suck for them if I did that. <laughs> they're usually good people about yeah, no, it. It's, they're, they're really nice. Um, and, and so speaking of Long Island and record stores and the fact that you are an avid record store, um, you know, Enthusiast. <laughs> Enthusiast shopper. You know I'm a vinyl junkie. Where where might people like spot you in Long Island? Um well I work at High Fidelity in Amityville. It's on uh, Merrick Road. There's a shameless plug. <laughs> 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 no, but seriously, it's a great record shop. I think I wanna say next to Looney Tunes we might be the second largest on Long Island. Yeah, definitely. I can I see so. that. We just moved into a nicer nicer uh spot of land so he's got more room for his stuff to spread out so sweet it's nice so i gotta check out high fidelity now that now that you guys moved um so i'm gonna i want to kind of like wrap things up but uh let's let's dive into this um ultra festival hey. nonsense kfc because you showed me this 
before and we were just like we we constantly are talking about sponsorships and stuff like that in in class and 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 um i want to know what you thought of this and if it if it like how you feel about about edm right now because this to me is like the final straw for me i mean like i know that edm is mainstream and it goes through its waves but I already get annoyed enough when I'm watching a Facebook video and it cuts out to show me an ad. I can only imagine if I was standing there waiting for the next artist and that happened in front of me. It's just we're talking. We're talking about uh, Colonel, oh, Colonel DJ DJ. Colonel Sanders live at at fucking Ultra. Ultra Miami because the next thing that Ultra Miami needed was KFC to buy a fucking slot for a DJ. Five minutes slot. <laughs> no, this is really like. To give you some finger licking beats because <laughs> finger licking beats, fucking corniest shit I've ever heard in my oh life. Oh my god! <laughs> and he wasn't even good. I mean, regardless of whether there, just there's generic. definitely people that liked it. It's the fact that they put it on the live stream. And the live stream comes over the crowd, and you see half the crowd sort of kind of stop and be like, "What like, the fuck's going on?" But he couldn't even come out with like some hard style or some fidget or just like blow people's minds a little bit or something, you know? Like it's the ghost produced KFC track. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was garbage. Banging finger stupid. licking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous, man. I just and 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 how does a company though go so low as to stick themselves into a music festival lineup? And and this is something I said before because I'm looking. I I, I have been looking forward to going back to Woodstock because my parents, my mother rather, I should say, was one of those. You know who were there you know who got to go or 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 at least you know see some of it um or experience some of it um and uh you know i wanted to experience some of that you know myself but looking at the lineup and what may ensue just and remembering woodstock 94 and 99 and how both of those were minor disasters, and um, I mean, '94 went off without you know without you know any fires or anything like mm. that happening, but '99 did not. So you know that was a nightmare. So I'm hoping. I don't think that will happen this time. I think. I'm hoping that Woodstock will not be commercial as hell. But given the lineup. With Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande and Chainsmokers and Killers and all these, I don't even know. Uh, well, uh, let me cut you off real quick. Okay. The Killers are a great band. The Killers are <laughs> a great the, band. I've seen the Killers live, and it's a hell They're of a They're terrific, show. but they are they are very very mainstream. They sell out arenas. I would say I wouldn't. Uh, it's weird because. They're not like Maroon Five mainstream. Maybe they used to be at one point, but that's I mean, faded. But they 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 definitely had that pull. They did. Like they they could sell an arena for a, you know for a minute. I mean, I saw them like two years ago. It was a great show, man. Great no, show. I I think they have a they have a, they're very talented. They have a great sound. Um, I do dig the Killers. Um, but as far as but like, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to a Killers concert. As far as I would definitely go to a Killers concert. But as far as a festival being mainstream and like that, the most places that I've seen anything like that happen are like festivals that just don't have enough funding. Like, it's like a leap of faith almost to make ends meet. Like, like I remember I went to Rock the Bells, and I love Rock the Bells, and this isn't like a shot at Rock the Bells, but uh, 
I went to Rock the Bells when it was like Governor's Island and it was Wu-Tang and it was Tribe Called Quest and it was Lauryn Hill and it was Rakim and it was Eric B. I mean, I was at that it show. It was insane. I was, was at that. I still have the t-shirt. Yeah, I, 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 I caught, my friend caught a t-shirt from Old Diddy Bastard's Shout out son. to Gorilla Union and it, by the way, Shout out to Boy Jones and shout out to everybody in the Wu Tang family. Shout but out if, to if you were at that show, you'll distinct. I remember. I distinctly remember. I'm not going to mention the guy's name. Boy Jones. I'm not going to mention the guy's name because he just happened to be the face for the ad at the time. But they would periodically send somebody out to the main stage to talk about Boost Mobile. I do not after remember every that. act after every act, and by like the time fucking. By the third act, dude, like, we don't want to hear about Boost Mobile, but he, he's got to come out so and do his thing. So I, I actually had a lot of friends that I met up with at the show or who would just run into me. But so on, every time that, that they though, did, they like, one of play, those uh, They would also play the movie trailer for, I think it was Seven, the one they were all trapped in the elevator, or Devil or something like that. Devil? It was when that movie came out, and they, they kept playing the trailer for that in between the sets as well. So it would either be Boost Mobile or that movie. But it was shoved oh. in your face after every act in between intermission. You know, I, I actually don't remember because, again, I wasn't even paying attention in those like little sequences because I also had my weed confiscated from me on the boat right over there. So I well, mean, most of it was smoking a blunt and like, you know, passing it around and like it took and also, most of mine. And which was really funny because I met a really nice couple from Tennessee who had never smoked anything half as good as what we had at that moment. And they were just blown away. But that's another story for another time. Um, I mean, rock the bells, bring it back, please. But I mean, to digress <laughs> on that point, because it was more about uh, the Boost Mobile advertising. Yeah. But I would yeah. say, I would say that uh, to kind of draw a little bit of a hypothesis, um, Ultra might not be doing so well financially. I mean, I know that Miami was trying to kick them out. I, I mean, well, so maybe it might just be like they don't have Miami as much was money trying as they to kick making. them out, but the the thought behind that was because of the whole incident that happened a few years back where and that I, guy ate somebody's face. If we remember, well, that. Was, but I also uh, I would also say like Miami Music Week is uh, it's much more popular than what Ultra. Is. A lot of people think that like Ultra is it. Like that's it. that's all that goes on down There's there. There's so much. There's that goes a lot on there. that goes on during Miami Music Week that they don't really need Ultra to accomplish. You know. Ultra's just like the big hoorah for like all like the uh, the teenagers and the people that are like super into it. And, you the know. trust fund babies. You could say it. You could yeah, say yeah. it. You're thinking it because the the fact of the matter is the fact of the matter is if you have enough money to splurge on going to Ibiza on a on a weekend vacation to watch Paris Hilton play a DJ set, then you have enough First money off, to, if, to if sit spending, and not care about if, listening to Colonel Sanders. If you're spending any money to specifically go out and see. Paris Hilton DJ and not just happen to be there when it happens then you know there's something wrong there if you're going to Ibiza to do it then you must have a hell of a lot of fucking money because <laughs> <laughs> that's that fire festival money yo yeah that's that's what gets you stuck on an island yeah but, uh, and and uh, let's let's hope that that also comes to a comes to a good and reasonable conclusion. Man, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, I, and, and, I, ja, I saw the I saw the documentary, and like I could be a little mad at Ja Rule for being that like I yeah. I can't even call it ignorance because it's kind of like so many I'm people. Ask, warned I'm, gonna, him. I'm, I'm actually going to ask you something that I've asked a few other people. Like so many I'm people. Ask, warned I'm, gonna, him. I'm, I'm actually going to ask you something that I've asked a few other people um, already. Um, do you think documentaries are becoming like a fad? 
because like there were two fire documentaries, a Michael Jackson so, documentary, an R. Kelly series, docu-series. We have documentaries coming out like constantly left and right and left and right. And and between all of these, there are actually good documentaries too that by the way that are getting buried. Um there there have been like, you know, um some amazing documentaries on Netflix that have come out um in this time. Um I believe there was one um not on uh, Motown, but like on on that generation of music, and I, I'm trying to remember if it was um, if it was on uh, Sam Moore or who it was on specifically. Um, but there was a documentary specifically on on a, a soul soul music. Um, I have to check that out now. Uh, looking back, um, there was one on James Brown. Um, you know, these are things that the real documentaries, the good documentaries, the ones I want to see. Are getting buried in in all this crap that everybody else is watching that I have to see because well, just like the music industry, everything's getting uh videos weren't as easy. <laughs> it's crazy because it happened with music a while back, and now it's kind of happening with videos. Videos aren't as difficult to manufacture as they used to be. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do it, just like making music. But back in the day, you kind of had to have a little bit of a a little bit of a brain for what you were putting together. You know, you had to know what you were doing with your equipment, especially with music, cutting tape and all that. With video, it used to be just as crazy, you know, editing process. Video but is... now you could edit videos on your phone. So, you know, what's the need for a professional when you can just put that together real quick? And that is and that is very so true. So there's definitely going to be an influx of, like, shitty documentaries, <laughs> shitty TV shows, Shitty YouTube channels where people just hear that you can make money if you put, turn a camera on and just talk, you know, but you're not saying anything productive. Like, a lot of people understand the concept of how to do it, but don't understand how to keep somebody's attention. Or they get very, very disheartened when they don't, they don't maintain the attention because you're just starting out and you just need to learn how to do it right. You know what I mean? Like, it's a... Yeah. It's a growing process. It's a growing pains to it. Like with DJing, I played in empty rooms. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be empty, but you know, at the right. time when it happens, it happens. Right. And... Sometimes, you know, listen, whether you play for four people or forty people or four hundred people or so four thousand forty thousand people, it doesn't make a difference. You you play with all your heart. I've seen people pay to fucking <laughs> 100, 200 people that have no energy, and then I've seen somebody play to 20 people that have more energy than the 100. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's you know? wild, and it's all down to, like, where you're at, your setting, and and, and vibe. And who you are. And it's funny because we also talk about um, artists and um, having to play, you know, like, headline after somebody sort of stole the show. You have to double the energy. You have to like sort of come out with like that's hard. That is hard. That is something that's well, really it's, difficult. It's interesting um, contrast because <clears throat> I remember DJ wise at least the le well usually the headliner in the DJ show is the closer and that's the end of it after that. But even if they did bring somebody out after that, you were not supposed to shine. <laughs> the person before and after the main guy isn't supposed to really shine. I mean nowadays it's different because producers are on the lineup. So the lineup will be a big-name producer and a big-name producer opening up for a big-name producer. So they will they get the flex. But usually if it's like a rock band or something and yeah. there's a band opening or closing for it, like 
And I've I've been to those shows where there's where there's an opener playing for like four people and all of a sudden, you know, she'll steal the show and the main act will play a set for like, you know, a, a a packed room. A packed room, but it'll be like a blah set compared to the to the, the chick opener. who opened. Yeah, it's uh, this is this is not the first time this has happened, and I'll I'll, I'll you know I, it, it, I'm sure it won't be the last, but you know the fact of the matter is that you know energy got to match that energy. It's you hard. Just gotta you know there's growing pains with this shit, man. Yeah, with anything, sure. it's just that music and. The arts in general is very, like, put yourself out there and kind of you got to take the reaction that you get. So if, you, uh, if you're if just starting out with something. I remember back when I was starting out with the DJ thing, and if you wanted to go play for a big name, there was two options or three roads. There was the road to nowhere where you just didn't do it. There was uh, the payola where you would go to fucking Pasha or Webster Hall or whatever, and you'd find a promoter and... That promoter was throwing a gig with X, Y, and Z on it. And if you want to be on that lineup, you got to sell 200 tickets. And then you might be on the lineup. But it would be, it's a reach. It's a reach. You're not going to actually get 200 tickets sold because you're not a promoter. The promoter is just pushing his job onto you. That's that's sort of a different, I mean, that's not exactly payola in terms of like, there's no radio play necessarily, but. Payola in terms of like, it's a. Pay for play. I get what you you're mean gonna, by that. You're gonna, you're, the DJ is going to lose that. money somewhere because right. most of the time with the, those tickets, you take 200 tickets, you don't sell 200 of, of those tickets, man. They're going to consider that you owe them the money for those tickets or some crap like that. I've seen I've seen promoters pull out some dirty stuff. And I too. have seen that as well, unfortunately. <laughs> and I have seen... And I people have, take it as a golden ticket. And I have seen, I have seen friends bands. I've seen uh, allies in, in the arts... So to speak, the two biggest devils to playing a show would be uh, having to sell tickets just to have a spot on the lineup. That's the you don't do that. No, never. You're not a promoter. You're an artist. At the end of the day, you're not a promoter. You're an artist. You got to have a PR side to yourself. You know what I mean? You got to have a side that's going to do the social media thing. You have to promote yourself. At least enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? You have to promote yourself too. But but you're not the person that's going to sell the tickets. Like you know what I mean? Like you're not unless you're hustling like that and you're putting together the show. Like if. Billy Maybe. came up to me and Billy's got tickets to the Killers and I can open up for the Killers, but I got to sell 150 tickets and I only got 30 friends. I'm fucked. I, but I got so amped when I heard that I can open up for the Killers if I did this, and I was like, 150 is not that much. Yeah, but couldn't couldn't you couldn't you know 30 friends should have 30 more friends? You would think, but. You know what I mean? Each each thirty of those friends should have thirty. But then, what's the what's that promoter of... doing after he hands you those tickets? He's gonna go sit down and watch TV. Well, the promoter makes shit. a cut out of being lazy, and I will say that 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 has happened um, historically in the past. Um, so many times. He, that's the one devil in it. The other devil, if you ever throw a show or you're gonna rent out his space or promoters, something like that. Please don't hate me after this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this fuck. The other devil would just be like. Bar guarantees. Bar guarantees are that second thing that like you hear and you're like, that's not a big deal. We can do that. Like you convince yourself right off the bat without crunching any numbers. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bring this up with DJ Destiny when I get her on the podcast later because she, unless you she, know she can talk to me she can talk about this. Unless you know for a fact that uh 
get that a percentage hitting, of the bar. That you're hitting. Well, no, I'm not talking about getting a percentage of the bar. I'm talking about if you go to a venue and you say, I want to rent your bar for the night to throw this show. You got a nice place. I like it. Yeah. All right. It's $2,000 for the whole night. You know, comes with a sound guy. Obviously, you don't got to bring speakers. We got that. All right. I don't have $2,000. All right. You don't have $2,000. Let's do this. See if you could hit $1,500 in sales. Or, I'm sorry, $2,000 in sales on the bar. And then after you pay it, it's kind of like a giving an artist in advance. You know what I mean? Well, I've, I've, heard, I've heard artists with it's the, a very the easy door, way for having a to bar. match the door and having to match. You well, know. yeah, it's a very easy way for a bar to turn around at the end of the night and tell you that you didn't do it. Sorry. But they just made like a couple grand off the bar. Now, I've never heard of this happening before. Oh, absolutely. It happens all the time, bro. They'll be like, wow. they'll tell you. If you hit, uh, you got to hit two G's on the bar. After you hit two G's on the bar, that's when you start making money. Wow. And, wow. Then, you'll, and then you'll make like a percentage of the bar. This is so a- like, it would be like the first two G's. And this is if you can't like, dude, if you have the money, uh, then this isn't a problem. Cause you'll just walk in there and be like, I want to rent out the place. All right, it's 2000. All right, here's 2000. Now they got to shut up. Every time I try and and remember uh, and uh, remember or tell myself it's for the sake of the arts, you know. Well, that's why you gotta like you gotta decide. All man. of a sudden, money finds its <laughs> way into it's, the mix somehow, some way. It's 2019, but the problem is, is that uh, everybody wants to do everything, and there is a little bit of a sense that you need to do at least a little bit of everything. But throwing the whole gig is not a one-man job. Right. And some people don't see the big picture on it, and it's kind of tough at that point because you can get taken advantage of very easily. I I, and I believe it. Bar owners know that, and promoters know that, and they know that if you're, if you're throwing everything into it and you have everything to lose, they could take advantage of that because you'll say yes to a lot. Which brings me to my favorite catchphrase, which is going to be my new catchphrase. As a, as a, I, I, please, find a lawyer. Yeah. If you're if you're an artist, find a lawyer. Seriously, because they're the ones who are going to protect you the most. Gotta have contracts. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Anybody when who's it comes to contracts, contract. when it comes to a contract, don't just sign your life away. Anybody's afraid of a contract. Either doesn't have money for a lawyer to look over it. They are not confident in what's about to happen, <laughs> or it's just a shitty deal, and they can see that. And you know, if you can see that, that's fine. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. Though there have been many a shit deal to be be made. Like even if you're friends, man, you gotta have it in writing. You gotta have it in writing because you never know what's gonna happen. And you know, it's not. A lot of people would think that if you do that, it's like preempting that something's gonna happen or something like that. It's just keeping everybody's tails covered, man. That's all it is. It's just saving everybody's butts. That's it. But usually what happens is, is uh, the person that promotes the idea is seems like he's got some kind of ulterior motive. And it's just like, dude, we could all, like, we if we make this song, we can go 50-50 Well, no, 50 when I it. promote this podcast, I have no ulterior motive. Hand to God. We um, signed a contract. <laughs> we signed a contract. We got our lawyers. We're splitting the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, seriously, Steve, thank you so much. Boy Ill. Thank, Thank you, you so much for 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 inviting me into your home studio, and <laughs> and and for for doing this episode with me. And I hope I hope we get to do this again because not only do I appreciate your setup, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate how honest you are about everything. 
And um, yeah, man, keep making music. I appreciate that. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> the podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.